0: But what's your current life mission and what's your sort of plans to get there?
1: Yeah, so my current mission, okay, let's take it. I love entrepreneurship, right? And based on my ability to run, I've run multiple businesses. This We're just talking about one, which is like my pride and joy because it was a heartfelt mission for me. So I know how to run, but it's a service-based business, product-based, you name it. I can run it. I love entrepreneurship. So really, it's putting myself in a position to be able to really invest full time and invest in companies, help them be like a board member and help people through all the trials and tribulations that I've experienced to help give them a, a course of, act, some financial backing and maybe mm-hmm. some guidance and leadership to help along. So that's like the end goal of what's in this for me, what I'm after. Yeah. Lo- I love Makes entrepreneurship. I, lo- I love business. Now it's keeping pave the, paving the way, cut my teeth in all these different ventures. So then when I'm sitting at that chair, it's just from experience, right? All, all my impact comes from experience
0: Hello, and uh, welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I am on the line with Andrew Compian. Andrew, are you there?
1: I'm here. I can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Look
0: good, sound good. We're live on the call. Where are you coming in from? San Diego, California. Man, That's San Diego horrible. is my favorite big city in the U.S. We travel full-time for those people who are paying attention um, on our show. We're still in Florida until November, but we've been to every major city. San Diego is my favorite. It is the cleanest and the weather's the best and people are super friendly and the beaches are right. wonderful and the food is good. Everything about San Diego is good stuff.
1: <laughs> I agree. Maybe I'm a little biased because I live here, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's my favorite city. Yeah. So I'm here yeah. and it's safe yeah. for a big and city.
0: It's fun and it's safe. And like, I don't know if you've been to a lot of other big cities, but a lot of times the cities are not clean. Like they're not well cared for. And San Diego is really well cared for. And not just because San Diego is taken care of, but like the people, like people care about San Diego and they take care of it. It's a clean, beautiful city.
1: Trust me. I moved from um, LA to here in 2021. And trust me, LA is exactly what you're talking about. A big city that's not very well cared for.
0: Not nearly as well cared for as San Diego. So anyway, San Diego is great. Oh, no. uh, what I want to do before we get uh, too far in the interview is just run through your bio real quick. I've got written over here. That's why I'm looking over here is uh, just so people know who you are. And then we'll just dive into, yep. into your story. Yeah. Andrew is an SOF veteran, startup founder with an expertise in sales and marketing. 2017 founded Handy Andy Hawaii and led the company in sales and client relationship management while tracking new markets and emerging friends. Noble Award for fast growing business in Hawaii in 2019, going from 840000 dollars to $5.5 million in revenue, which is an impressive number no matter how you swing it. So I guess before we get started, the first question I have for you is basically who are you now? What is it? What are you known for? What do you do? What does your business do? And what is the the services you provide to the market?
1: Yeah, fast forwarding a couple of years, which we'll get into the specifics, but I made an exit from that business in 2021. Found my person. We had a family and it was time to make the move to the mainland. So I moved to Los Angeles. So I always had a background in sales. And so as like a contractor or through my like consultancy, I got hired by various companies to come in and and do like front end sales, right? So essentially that's what I do now. I get contracted out by whether you're coaching, consulting, SaaS, real estate, like real estate lead generation or precious metals. People will hire me to do front end sales. Nice. Um, how long have you been doing that for now? About a year and a half now.
0: Yeah. And is that something you're going to keep doing going forward or what's your plan?
1: Like yeah, that? no, that's fun. It's a good question. So essentially, look, when you're anytime you're, you're, I was in special operations for 10 years, which we'll go into, came out, built that big company. Once I made the exit and I had the family, now it's time to actually be present and be a father and be active. Doing what I'm doing now gives me the ability to put my family first and to really be present as a father. And do the things I want to do with my family. So I'm definitely enjoying watching my toddler. He's two years old now. I just turned two back in August. Watching him grow up. And if I didn't have the freedom and the flexibility that I do now, it would be hard to be present during all those milestones that I'm able to witness right now. To me, it's like family time right now. I'm still young, right? I'm still in yeah. my mid to late 30s. I still get time to get after it, which I will. Don't get me wrong. Because as, as my child continues to grow, he's going to go into preschool, school. Therefore, the... Me being around and being able to do those things just not going to be as possible, and so then I can get after it again and focus on business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know my oldest turned fourteen yesterday, uh, which oh, wow. is
1: crazy. Happy belated! Uh,
0: and yeah, my youngest is four, and I've got two more in between. One of my whole philosophies on life early on was with my wife. I was like, "Listen, I want to be at home for lunch every single day with my kids, right. and I want to build a business or work in careers where I had that kind of freedom and." I'm proud to say now my right? son's 14 and I've missed lunch with him maybe a handful of times in 14 years, which is crazy Yeah, because uh, not a lot of people get that opportunity. So I've been there for every major milestone and everything that he's done in his life. And the same is true for all my kids. And I think going forward, one of the things that I've been really focusing on with our company has been this concept that I'm trying to, I don't know if it's, if I'm coined it or anything, but it's something that I'm really working towards in our company is family first entrepreneurship. And it's really yeah. a company that not just myself as the founder Every single person that we have on staff and who's working for us has that opportunity to be, to prioritize their family over their work. Mm-hmm. And so I tell my staff regularly, we shouldn't be your first priority. We should be, bare minimum be your, not bare minimum, it should at least be like second priority or lower, right? Because your family should come before us and totally. uh, and trying to build the flexibility and the structures into our company to make it so that, hey, you can show up for your kid's baseball game, your daughter's ballet performance or your mother's surgery or whatever it is and show up for your community and show up for your family and still have the impact and the income that comes from doing good work right. with a good company anyways that's where i think business is going and that's what i'm trying to do with our company i love that you're doing the same thing in your life and focusing right. on that
1: now and i think that as time plays on you're closer to that door than i am obviously your son you mentioned 14 and going on and go through high school then ultimately going to be it solo it's like you're going to see the value that instilled into him of like you being present and you make it such a high priority, right? Because I think it's pretty present and apparent in people in society that didn't have that. And then we're seeing yeah. some of the ramifications of of not having that support and that love, that attention needed. Right.
0: So Yeah. I think we'll definitely change the world in a positive way by being there for our kids more. Absolutely. And, and all everything that comes with showing up for your family and showing up for your community and making those priorities. What I want to get into then is your origin story, right? Every good comic book yeah. hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them sure. into the hero they are today. We want to hear that story. Yeah. Were you born a hero? Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into business and sales and growth, that kind of stuff? Or did you start in a job and eventually move to become an entrepreneur? Basically, where'd you come from? And I guess I specifically want to hear a little bit about your special forces work yeah. and how that led into some of the entrepreneurial stuff that you're doing now.
1: Oh, absolutely. happy to get into it. Yeah, so if we go back full circle, how did we get here? Which is, the, I think, essentially the question you're asking me here. And look, so I was brought up as a, I was raised by like a single mom until I was about 9, 10 years old. So I didn't have that like leadership, that fatherly structure that I wanted. And I think going full circle, that's why I'm very adamant about being present as a father, being active, because I didn't necessarily have that. So it's like it was ingrained into me to, to do that. And at a young age, I was like tasked with a mission of having to be like the leader protector of the family. And so I've always had that yeah. protective instinct. And as I, my stepfather came into my life when I was about 10 years old, he was that leader. He was able to take over, take the reins and let me be a kid again. But essentially gave me like the insights and the confidence to know that I, if I'm willing to put in the hard work and dedication towards anything, then I'll put myself in a very good position to actually accomplish those things. Right. Multiple sport athlete, very competitive when it came to that. Now, through all of the the hard work and dedication put forth and, and working on myself and having him motivate me, I got to this point, my senior in high school, where it was like, okay, do I want to continue to flourish in academia, get education, and then go into business with my dad? Backstarring him, he's like a VC entrepreneur, so I was raised by an entrepreneurship my whole life. And so that always interests me. Well... I always used to like me and my little brother. We used to watch like Navy Seals. We used to watch all these like special operations movies, right? Delta Force, all these different movies as a kid. So that always fascinated me. And I think that because my upbringing on the second part of life was relatively nice, and I had a lot of access to things, I wanted to see like what I was made of, like truly, not like what my parents said about me or what my friends said about me, but what am I true? Like what am I made up of as a man? And so that's where like the world of special operations really started coming, creeping on my door. I'm like, you know what? No influence, no money, no connections can help me get through this door. That's something I gotta pay for my own, right? So I signed up in 2006, right? Went through a rigorous two and a half year selection process to get selected to be an, an operator, right? We had 160 guys try out. Three of us made it through the entire process. And it was tough man. it was very difficult. I was away from my family, had a good life and kind of sacrificed all of that to start from scratch and, and see like, what am I made of? And what, what's cool about that is when you're a young 19, 20 year old kid, you're seeing people from all walks of life. It's interesting because I saw people that came there that were smarter than me, that were more physically gifted, et cetera. So I was like, to somewhat, to some extent, like intimidated. Oh man, do I belong here? And the unique thing about the actual selection process is those people that I thought were like superior to me, they got weeded out, right? They just couldn't, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, they couldn't handle it, right? So they quit. And as this two years and a half journey was happening, those people would keep like weeding out of the process. So that gave me like tremendous confidence in myself of, oh wow, maybe I actually do belong here. And it was pretty cool for me. It was like an aha moment, man. Maybe I am better than I thought I was per se. And it was just cool to kind of really grow and evolve as a man going through all those challenges that this selection process had thrown at me. And then I came out victorious, right? So then I, I got to my first operational team back in 2009 after a long hard fought process. I had uh, multiple deployments. Then based on like my performance on those deployments, they call it non voluntary I didn't have really have a choice in the matter, but I got non-volved to come to what we call a joint special operations command. So in special operations, you have what we call like tier one assets, tier two, tier three, right? So think of tier one as like the cream of the crop. You got like your SEAL Team Six, you got your Delta Force, you got your 160, yeah. uh, 160th Air Soar, and then you have the 24th Special Tactics Squadron. So I was non involved into that to go through that uh, process. And I spent the last half of my career at, the, at that unit, right? Doing clandestine operations across the world, contingency operations, humanitarian, you name it. I was involved in a lot of multiple operations. So now, fast Pretty forward amazing. that ten-year experience to twenty or 2016, January 2016. I exited the service. I did my ten years. had a had a great run. Had a ton of close calls, but I made it out scot free compared to a lot of people that I know, right? Now, through that transition period of 2016, like it was the first time where I had some like time to reflect and think. Because I, everything was just so fast paced that, that I was gone 270, 280 days out of the year, every single year for 10 years, right? So I didn't really have the time to hang yeah. out and relax. And so I did a, a couple months of that, some reflection and figuring out what it is that I want to actually do, right? So what I did is I bought a one-way ticket to Hawaii to go visit my family, right? And that was incredible. I got to figure out what it was like to enjoy life a little bit different, right? go work out when I wanted to, sleep in if I wanted to, things I'd just never been on my radar. And so I decided to stay there. And when it comes to reflecting on what what it was I wanted to do, I know I wanted to help veterans, right? I served and going through that process of transitioning out, I looked to my left and my right and I'm like, what are these people going to do? Like when they get out, like when I've talked to, to them about some of the, like their expertise, I was thinking to myself, wow, how does that like, how does that translate into the civilian sector? I'm like, I just didn't see it. And so we established a big gap, right? So my father, who I mentioned earlier, who was like a VC type like, entrepreneur, right? Multiple businesses always. He actually happened to acquire a drone company called Chapman Aerospace, right? I do have some specialties in flying UAVs or drones, if you will, from my time in the military. Our first prototype that we were thinking is what if we were able to create like a national prototype where we can get veterans exiting the workforce, use their GI bill to get trained how to be drone operators, right? To do movies, to do weddings, to do whatever, whether that's commercial or, or private, you name it. Going through the due diligence of making that all happen, I realized that, man, in order for us to have a dent in workforce development for veterans that that just wasn't the course of action. It's cool, don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't the right course of action because we couldn't mass produce that. There's like people have to be able to, they have to pass class three flight physicals, right? They have to be, cause they're a drone operator. This is a serious business. And so when we looked at the amount of people that would qualify like physically and mentally to be able to do that, it just wasn't there at scale. So yeah. we knew that we wanted to create a transitional employment platform. Now it's just, where's the vehicle that we can actually deploy that, right? That was what we were tasked against. So, remember, I don't. Have you ever been to Honolulu by chance or Hawaii?
0: I have not. It's on my list. We've been to forty-eight states. Okay. The last two on our list are Hawaii and Alaska. We, we will get there, but we're not there. Haven't been there yet.
1: You'll get there. Okay. Once when, when you get your boat, you're heading there. So that's the goal. It, yeah, put it on your list. Trust me. Now, so. We were sitting there at this place called Mai Tais. We were drinking Mai Tais, me and my father. And then we were talking about, okay, that, we had to table that idea, figure out a different vehicle. So he was talking back and forth to me, what do all these veterans have in common? I'm like, I made a joke. I'm like, they're all pretty good at like, janitorial maintenance. As was kind of like a joke. And then a light bulb moment came up of like, maintenance, handyman. We started thinking like, handyman, sir, okay. So then we started like, doing our research and due diligence in that space, like the home service, home industry space. Oh, wow, this is a huge sector, like a really big sector. So what we figured out is like when it comes to like plumbing, electrical, all these different service-based companies, there's national leaders and in, individually in those space, but none of these companies were vertically integrated. Meaning that there was no one-stop shop on our national standpoint. So we realized that, hey, I think we have something here. Let's create a prototype here in Hawaii and see what we really have. Okay. Now that's how my company in 2017, Handy Andy Hawaii, was, was formed under that. So we started beginning, we had a couple odd end jobs in 2016, but really started in 2017, right? Three man crew. I wasn't doing any of the handy stuff. I'm more so like the sales guy going out there and relationships, getting people to to use us. So we had a three-man crew, two vehicles, and these vehicles were nothing special. They were like bought from a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand off Craigslist just to get things rocking and rolling. So yeah. that's how the business started. Then really, I would say about six, nine months into it, as we were starting getting our revenue to from five grand a month to 10 to 20 to 40, like it just started compounding over time. We were, there was this thing that this big elephant in the room that was preventing us from getting more revenue. And that was like the handyman law. Since we're in the handyman space, which is generally speaking, what is it? The the jack of all, master of none, so to speak, right? You're diversified in in mostly different things. There's a lot to like, how big of a project you can do without being licensed bonded and insured right because to be a handyman technician you don't need to be licensed bonded and insured however if you're looking to do jobs above 1500 regularly there are ways that we could skirt that but without having to play in that gray area why not incorporate the license to be able to do so to take on bigger jobs and quite frankly In order to diversify and actually be vertically integrated, you need a like a BC license to have all the integrated licenses underneath you, right? So you have the master license and then you can get plumbing, electrical, HVAC, et cetera, underneath one roof. My best friend who happens to be like a landscape architecture, very good designer, good builder. He would do like custom jobs for people, had a small little business operating, great operator great person. I was like, look, this is where my goal is. I'm looking to go here. Here's like one of the roadblocks. I understand that you would like, obviously like to make more money and scale yourself. Why don't we like do this together?
0: We built a so now we're one
1: year in or yep. It was just all the stars aligned. So come new years, we kicked off Go into 2018, right? So now that we could get bigger jobs and we were protected by a license, Now we can go after bigger, rather than these smaller handyman jobs, a couple thousand here and there, we can go after 10, 20, 50, hundred, multiple hundred thousand dollar jobs. It just opened up the world of possibility. Okay. So now my background was in like, like sales and marketing. So once we were able to legally operate that way, I was able to open up the floodgates with Facebook ads, Nextdoor ads, Yelp ads, like every... Task Rabbit, every plant like home service platform you can imagine, like we are on it. So people who are just starting out, I would definitely recommend using those like cheaper options Romney just presence. to get some revenue in, right? However, once you have, once you can afford it, go the ad route because that that saved us tremendously. I, I did private PPC on Google Ads and then Facebook was just absolutely crushing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And that's from there. Once you open up the club gates, that's where you went from like the 800,000 to the 5 million in like a really short
1: period of time. One, one year.
0: That's nuts to have right? that kind of
1: growth.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it, and don't so, get me wrong.
1: It was hard because I was going to business school during this time, which is something I left out too. Like I started going to business school in the end of two, 2016. So I was using my GI Bill to be able to get some higher education in conjunction with starting and scaling this business.
0: Yeah. So you're going to business school, you're taking your GI stuff, you're working with veterans, you're helping them become handymen, you get licensed stuff going and you take that company from zero to three quarters of a million and then from three quarters of a million to five million plus in just a couple of years, which is not, that's a crazy story. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand, almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. Now back to the Hero Show. And thanks for coming on and sharing it. But what I want to talk about is what yeah. do you think the superpowers that you developed over the course of having that experience, right? We talk on this show, every iconic hero has a superpower, mm. whether that's fancy flying suit yeah. made by their genius intellect, or the ability to call down thunder from the sky or the super strength. In the world of real world heroes, right? People have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you developed over the course of time that really energized everything else that allow you to really show up and slay the villains, right, for your clients, and whatnot. And it's something that lets you, that sets you apart. And so if you look at all the skills you've developed over the course of your life through your special forces and through business school and through building this company, there's probably a common thread that's like tying all those skills together that really allowed you to have that kind of success. What do you think your superpower is?
1: I would say g- grit. Because entrepreneurship, <laughs> and I know that you can attest it as you've been in it, like it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Like you're getting punched in the mouth left and right. I have all kinds of people on dissatisfied customers. There's a lot of different things that are trying to make it hard or present an obstacle. And I think that the superpower is your ability to, no matter how hard the task at hand is, you're still able to overcome that, right? You still have the self belief. Yeah. And yourself to be able to overcome those challenges when they're presented in front of you. So I think that was like something I learned real early in life. And that just kept getting realized as I was going through hurdles and then be able to continuously overcome them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Grit is such an important thing. And it reminds me of my own sort of philosophy on entrepreneurship too, which was as a young entrepreneur, I was very... I want to say like optimistic about entrepreneurship, where I was like, anyone could be an entrepreneur and it's an easy thing anyone could do it, right? If you want to, if you want to be an entrepreneur, just stop doing whatever you're doing or go be an entrepreneur. I did it. You could do it. I can do it. Anyone can. And you realize like probably similar to this, your story of going into the special forces where you're like, there's all these people that show up, but who actually makes it? And you realize that the people who actually make it in entrepreneurship are the ones who have that grit, that ability to show up and to have that risk tolerance that a lot of people just don't have. And it's a type of mental fortitude that is, I said, I've never been through special forces training, but I imagine it's a similar type of mental fortitude where you're like, you just have to show up. You just have to do the work and not let your circumstances or your surroundings or what's happening, but I don't have a license to operate in these big things. How do you fix that? You just, you find a way to fix it. (laughs) You just make it happen. And anyways, it's definitely a type of superpower that is, think almost essential for anyone who's, who's trying to do entrepreneurial work.
1: Well, one of these key phrases that I was raised on that my dad always instilled is if there's a will, there's a way. And so as long as I've showed up on the will department, then I should be resolved to be able to f- overcome something. And that's the thing about entrepreneurship. Yeah. If you have the will to overcome it, then like, you'll take what the licks that come, cause that's going to happen. That's inevitable. Right. And it's just not being afraid to fail. As entrepreneurship is about falling on your face, getting back up, licking your wounds, take the learning lessons that you were meant to take from that and just get better and go do it
0: again, keep going. And the the lessons, if you don't take the lessons, they'll repeat them. You just get to do it again until you learn the lesson.
1: (laughs) Easier said than done, of course, because we've all probably been jabbed a couple of times and what's going on? Oh, I see why that happened. Everything's cause and effect, right? Right? Sometimes uh, when you're. I,
0: I forgot to put up my block. I'm going through a exactly. Mark arts training no. right
1: now. My son and I, and he, one of
0: the things, you you, you got to keep your hands up. If you don't keep your hands up, you're going to hit in the head every time until you remember to put your hands up. <laughs> lesson repeated until lesson learned. 100%. You'll learn, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, you learn eventually, or you keep getting hit in the head. <laughs> if you don't like that, it's not going to work. Or or you give up, and giving up is the only way to fail.
1: 100%, 100% agree.
0: It's one one of the things that I love about entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship is a unlike almost anything else in the world, the only way to fail at it is to give up. Right? That's true. Uh, if, if you just don't give up, you can continue to learn and grow and eventually you'll get there. I remember when I was like 15 and really wanted to get into this entrepreneurship world, I was like, man, I'm going to be a millionaire by 30. I didn't hit that. Right? I was mm-hmm. late. Right? i will we'll hit it before I'm 40, but I didn't hit it at 30, but that's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if you just don't right. give up, you can hit whatever you want to hit. And yeah, maybe occasionally you get lucky and hit something really big and go faster than that. But for the rest of the world, <laughs> just keep putting in the time, keep putting in the effort, keep learning the lessons, and you can
1: provide your value to the world and and get paid for it really well. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I love, I, I feel like it's a great equalizer. Like entrepreneurship, yeah. what's, what's cool about it is that It's like a, it's an equal playing ground. Like the market doesn't care about like. Your race, your beliefs—like it's like a matter of what product and service can you provide? What kind of value are you making my life better? Are you solving a problem or fulfilling an emotional need? What are you doing? And as long as you carry the basis, regardless of where you fall under the spectrum, you can win. And that's what's cool about yeah. it.
0: And it doesn't matter what color your skin is, doesn't matter what religion you are, doesn't matter whether or not you can, you got all your limbs. If you can show up, like it's, you provide value and you can build the systems to help provide the value to your marketplace, you'll get paid in direct proportion to the value your business provides to the world. That's the only thing that matters
1: It's the value you provide. (laughs) 100%. The the bigger the problem that you solve, the more money you're going to make from it, generally speaking. Yep.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So talking about the flip side, right? If so it's your superpower is grit. The fatal flaw is the flip side of that coin. Just like every Superman has his kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. You probably have something that held you back in your business, uh, a flaw, so to speak. For me, it was uh, perfectionism. I struggled with perfectionism for a long time. I'm a very systems driven person, which means I like to have everything perfect. And what that kept me from doing is actually like shipping things. And so I had to build systems into my business. I can get take things to like 80% and then I'd have someone else take it the last final step part and ship things because I would tweak and iterate forever and then never ship anything and never do anything. So perfectionism kept from really succeeded so I had to build systems to solve that so I think more important than what your flaw is how have you worked to overcome it so our audience might learn a little bit from your experience there
1: yeah so getting into it I actually think it's important to to bring this up too right the inverse of 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 your strengths so I think that my what, what the overarching thing was because I have tremendous like capacity the ability to take on a bunch of things doesn't always mean that's the best idea Yeah. Right. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And I think because of that, because, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I just started taking on too much at certain points throughout my entrepreneur journey. And if you are spread thin and you're handling just too many different things that you shouldn't just because of like your ego or whatever that is, of not being able to say no or just not prioritize that, then you're just not going to be as productive and it kills your productivity, right? So really yeah. the art of delegation and learning that, it took some time, but then I figured it out how to do that, tr- like how to actually do that, right? Don't get me wrong. It's still yeah. an upward battle got like because I, I wanted like, yes, I could do that. I could take, I could just take on this and that's my natural inkling, but I always have to check that because if not, it could be detrimental to it's, the growth of a business.
0: It's a problem that I think almost every high performance individual has, right? Because you have. You, your capacity probably outstrips most of the people around you. It's why you made it in special forces, right? Why you right. made it 160 other people didn't, right? Because your capacity right. just outstrips other people. And that's it. It is a superpower. But at the same time, you're just like, I can just say yes to everything. And when you say yes to everything, then you end up having lower outcomes in all of them. And I've noticed that even in my own business, that I still stru- struggle with that, where I'm like, yeah, we, we can say yes to that. And we can say yes to that. And we can say yes to that. But one of the things that I've had to really get good at, and I'm, I'm not there yet, but is being strategic about what you say yes to, and only saying yes to those things when you have the plan in place for how that's going to be delegated and turned into a system in your business. And I know that's one of our first conversations. You, you probably heard my philosophy on that. It is why I said yes to like the stuff that we're doing together, and it's something that I'm still struggling with to this day. And okay, I, more things I want to say yes to, and more things that I have capacity for, but. I also have to have the plan that goes along with it of how it gets off of my plate and into a systemized part of my business.
1: Yeah, no, you know, what's so interesting that you say about that is because part of what I do, I'm essentially like dissecting like businesses every single day. I'm talking about owners, where they're at, where they want to go, et cetera. And to me, one of the things that's important though, is that like taking action. So now like, it's like a, it's a fine line because like taking action is good, right? Because what happens if indecisiveness can just eat people inside, right? Like, oh, I just don't know, it's the timing. And so what happens on the inverse of that, sometimes you see entrepreneurs wanting to get every duck in a row all in aligned before they take action. So it's like figuring out that happy medium in my perspective of taking action and then figuring out things as you go, but also not being silly and just taking too much action that you just have no course of action to be able to back that up, right? Because again, people can, you know, those people that want to just plan, they want to have everything just lined out. One of the things that you know is entrepreneurship can't just be done from a spreadsheet, things will never go exactly as you planned out. That just never happens. At least not in my world. If it's happened to other people, then that's, not a that's world that I know of. But that's not a world that I understand. And so just, yeah. With that being said, you can't have the fear to not take action, but also you don't want to be silly and take too much action that you can't back up. So it's like figuring out that, find yeah, that balance, if you will. That's
0: where when I said, balance. I'm still, where I said, I'm still struggling with this. That's where I'm trying to figure out that balance and making it right. so that I know when and how to say yes. So instead of just okay. saying yes, I'm and not saying, yeah. and then. also not saying yes, because you just have to plan everything. Like That middle ground is like, how do you build a system for yourself that allows you to say yes as much as possible? And that's Mm. the question that I've been asking myself is, how can I say yes more and have that be a benefit to my business on a regular basis? And we're at the point in our business growth stage where it's we get a lot of cold outreach for different things. And we get a lot of things for ads and other things. We're like, hey, you can grow your business this way. You can grow your business that way. And I'm like, those are all great things. And I want to know not just which ones should I be doing or which ones can I do? Those aren't the right questions. The questions are which ones, how do I make it so that I can say yes to everything, right? Everything that makes sense for our mm. business. And we're trying to build systems in place. It's okay. Here's the thing, here's the timelines we have for it. Here's the numbers that it has to hit. And we have all those things in place. Now we've got a system for this makes sense. Yes, we can do it. And it, it just gets added to the, uh, the list of things. And then we put some limits on that. Like how many things can we say yes to at a certain time frame. <laughs> Like this quarter, we can say yes to two big things and a couple of small things. And they have to be at this point before we move on to the next stage. And those are like, I don't have all that stuff figured out yet, but we're figuring out that system. And the question that I've been really working on trying to figure out how to answer for my business is how do I say yes to as much as possible without it doing? And I don't know if that's a good question or not, but I figure if you learn to ask better questions, you'll get better answers. So that's the question I'm currently working on.
1: And where are you in terms of working on that? Do you feel like, are you on the brink of figuring that out what's, or is it still what's a process? Interesting,
0: it's still a process, but the last couple of things that I've said yes to have really been like, the, there's been a, a couple of the things that I'm noticing are, I have to be able to see the plan for how it turns into a delegatable system, right? Something that's not on my okay. plate. And that's the okay. first one. If I can see how it turns into a delegatable system, that's it. That's makes mm-hmm. it an easy yes. And then the other one is I've, we've got enough at-bats for our actual service delivery that we know our numbers. We know our numbers really well. And so knowing our numbers really well okay. means that we, have, we can go into things we're saying yes to with good KPIs, whether that is or when we're talking about staff hiring and our process for that, we know exactly what kind of rates we can pay for certain things. We know how long things should take so we can hold a new staff member. Hey, okay, this is the longest this task should take is this much because we've done this a thousand times. So we know exactly what it should be to hiring new marketing staff. Okay, these are the, what the cost per acquisition numbers need to look like in order for this to be profitable over the long-term. And so if your numbers really well and you see how you can delegate it, it makes it really easy to say, does this hit the KPIs, yes or no? Can this be delegated um, and turned into a system, yes or no? And if you can get yes on both of those things, then the decision isn't, should I do this? It hits all the yeses. If it hits all the yeses, then you're, the only other question is affordability. And affordability is a measure of like how well you're doing your finances. And so part of that process for us has been really building out. We use the profit first methodology from Mike McCallowitz and building out all of our profit first stuff oh, so that yeah. we actually have. I, I use that we too. Have, Yeah. So we have the percentages in our account and it shows you like when your payroll account has more money in it than you have people that you're paying out. You have the affordability to hire a new person right? When your mm-hmm. operating expense account has more money in it than you're spending every month, you have the affordability to say yes to the things that are in and maybe in marketing or in maybe increasing some of the software stuff that you're using. And it's by doing those percentage things and not allowing that money to be touched by other things. You're like, hey, this is growing here. We have, I can say yes to the work that you and I are doing together because we've got the affordability and we've got the uh, delegatability and we know our numbers. and so we know the KPIs ahead of time. And so yes, the decision is not on me to figure out, can we do this? Yes or no. It's we hit yes on all these things, the answer is just yes, it's an easy yes or it's an easy no if it doesn't hit those things. And so if it's something that like, it hits the first two, we're like, we have the KPIs and we have the other thing, but we don't have the affordability. It's okay, what's our timeline to hit that affordability so we can add this into our business? And that's really the system that I've come up with so far. So I don't know if it's
1: perfect yet, but it's so far yeah. it's working. No, I love it. Love, you know, it's funny that you bring that up, but I was I was actually talking to the CEO, um, Tim, you know, of, of Pina, and I was telling him about like our conversation. I'm like, look, this guy, I talked to business owners from all walks of life, whether it's a brand new business owner who's just getting, it's a concept and idea, more of a biz op type of scenario to people that are doing like millions a month in revenue. And I'll, and I'll be honest, man, from your standpoint and your understanding of your numbers and like you had, you showed me a uh, screen shared and gave me some insights into like how you think. I'm like, oh, this guy's mm-hmm. going to crush whatever he does. Cause you have one element done, which is your numbers. And it's like, Not an emotional thing to be able to hit milestones. You just, right? The numbers will tell you where to go. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of numbers will tell you really knowing your numbers. Now you're also working with people. And as we know, people are the hardest part of business. Your own people, it's not customers, it's workforce development. Getting the right people that are aligned with your goals that can carry out what they need to in order to hit those milestones. Because on paper, everything's lined out, it all makes sense. But as we know, entrepreneurship isn't that, isn't as easy as being very dialed yeah. down in on the spreadsheet, but it's about execution. Idea yeah. rich, that's execution where, poor, right?
0: That's where uh, the other side of that whole, like knowing your numbers and having a formula and having all that stuff is great. And then the other side of that for us is, has been the family first entrepreneurship stuff we talked about at the beginning is how do we build a company and yeah. build a culture with our people that our place of work is the kind of thing that our customer, not our customers, our client, our employees rave about that they love being a part of our company and our culture and our community that we're developing there. And one of my favorite metrics is not how much revenue we make or how many clients we serve, but there's two of them. One is the number of fam the number of people whose we put dinner on the table for, which is larger than the number of employees we have, right? Because they have oh, their yeah. families and the people that, you know, their kids yeah. and the people that, that sit around their dinner table. And I keep pretty close track of that number like how many people are sitting around the dinner table and eating because of the work that we do when the other one is how long our employees stay right and my longest mm-hmm. standing employees are graphic designer i've been working with them for 13 years and when we finally got to the point wow. just recently where we were like hey we have enough work that we can hire you on regularly instead of just the project work mm-hmm. here now but actually get you onto the team and like, yeah. like would you like that he was like yes absolutely i would love to work for you and that's where we want to have awesome. those kind of relationships where you're able to attract high level talent and keep them and so my thought process on that has been: is there's three things. It's a uh, flexibility, right. impact, income. And so flexibility. Oh, there is, we go. You know, we live in a new world where you know, especially if you're doing digital services like what we are. But even if you're not in digital services, there's enough flexibility now with technology that showing up in an office nine to five is not necessarily the most productive way to run a company. hundred uh, percent. Oh, and so we are like all of my staff has they set their own hours however mm-hmm. long it takes to get things like do what you do what you need to do get the stuff done we have deadlines and we have here's what the optimal time it should take to get things done and then we built everything around our stuff like paper tasks where it's like hey when you finish this task you paid this much for it because we know how long it takes and building paper task models allows our team to be really flexible with hey, you can work when you want mm-hmm. how you can just get things done allows us to scale our team up and down as needed so we got the flexibility going really well and allows them to go to their kids baseball games right whatever it is they want to do there And not have to ask me for time off or stuff like that, because it's just not part of our culture, Uh, right? You have your stuff and if you get your stuff done, we'll continue giving you more work and Mm -hmm. you can have full time income and set your own hours, all kinds of things and have the flexibility that you want. The uh, second one is impact. And impact is if you're going to take time away from your family to do work, which we're all going to do, it would be better to take time away from your family to do work that has an impact. And so I spend a lot of time Mm. communicating with our staff about, hey, here's the work that we do and why it's not just important for your paycheck, but important to our clients and important to their work and the value that we're actually providing to the world. And so that's probably the number one communication piece I have with our staff is every time we do a company meeting, we go over, hey, the work that we do has an impact in the world and here's how. And so they're seeing their impact in the world, that they're not just showing up doing graphic design or showing up doing video editing, but they're actually seeing the impact that has on our clients and our clients and their work has a ripple effect that's greater than themselves. So the sum is greater than the parts, kind of thing. And just being able to communicate that with your team. And then the last one is income. And so income is you're actually being paid fairly and hopefully not just fairly, but even probably better than industry average for the work that you're doing because right. of the way we've built the profitability and stuff in our company. And we're using a lot of AI tools. And one of the things that is probably my favorite example is our writers, One of the things we do for our podcasts is we write the show notes. And before some of the AI tools were available, we used to have to hire. It it took about four or four and a half hours of legwork to get Mm -hmm. every single outcome done for that. And with the advent of AI, where we can take like the transcript of a podcast and turn that into a summary and then take that summary and turn it into the show notes um, and then have Mm -hmm. a writer come along and have reviewed the transcript and can rewrite the thing now we can go from new episode in to finished written assets in 45 minutes that's all human Mm. completed instead of four hours which means now instead of paying five dollars an hour for our writers we're paying 15 dollars an hour and hiring higher quality stuff so we're actually paying more and doing more work because of the way we're building the company so we're looking at like, how do we make all three of those things better? How do we have more flexibility, more impact, and more income? Yeah, and that's like the other side of that. We have all the numbers, and we know all these things. We handle our KPIs, but you also you're working with people, and what's important to people, and you're building a community of people for your company. So Anyways, those are
1: that's my sort of thought on that. That's awesome. I like so the impact thing resonated with me too because that's like one of our you know impact over income is like a family kind of motto too. That's like my big, hairy, audacious goal of the veteran stuff was to, I wanted to hire a thousand veterans, put them to work, All right? Yeah. I didn't, I fell short of that. I made an exit and just COVID changed the landscape before I, the direction I wanted to go with things. And then life yeah. had a family, like just things took a course, but like big having changed. that impact on what matters to you and what are you going yeah. to do to back that up? It's easy for us to sit here and say that, oh, I care about X, Y, Z. It's different to actually put tangible action steps in place to be able to actually embody that and live up to that standard. Yeah. So it's cool. That's something Absolutely. that drives you as a, because I, I resonate with that just tremendously.
0: Yeah. And I've noticed a lot of entrepreneurs do. It's very common. It's one of the things that we see all, on this show all the time is that if you're going to show up and do this work and have the risk tolerance to do those things, there's, it's more than just income for most people. There's an impact they're trying to get. There's a value they're trying to get into the world. Uh, I love that. Yeah. It's one of the things that draws the entrepreneurship community together, I think, is that impact yeah. part in particular.
1: And if you think about like buyers, just think about just going to start back. You think about like the millennials, Gen Z, a lot of it's more impact driven. Not only what can you do, that's only one layer because there's five people who could could solve the same problem, but what do you stand for? Yeah. Right.
0: That's actually, it's one of the things that's made it into my, my sales pitches recently is people will, one of the common questions you get in almost any sales pitch is why should I pick you over the competition? And there's a lot of things that you can go over, hey, our service is better, it's faster, it's cheaper, it's whatever the features and benefits of your service are. But I was like, I, I'll say something like that. I could go over and talk about all the reasons why our service is better. But I think actually what's more important is like, if you choose us because you like us better, and the reason you would like us better is because of the impact we're trying to have. And here's the way that we're trying to run our company. And I'll talk about things like family first entrepreneurship and why we're building our culture the way yeah. we do. And I'll talk about the flexibility and I'll talk about, uh, this is why we're building our company this way. And we treat our customers like this and we treat our employees like this. And I was like, if you choose us to do the work for you, it'll be because you like what we're trying to do in the world. Because we're doing the work that we're doing, the service we're providing is, it's not exactly a commodity, right? Because we have a really good offer there, (laughs) but it's stuff that you could hire people on your own team to do. It's stuff that you could hire another agency to do similar things and sure we might do it better we might do it cheaper we might do it faster my lights over here freaking out on me the reason why you might choose us is because of those intangibles and i think the intangibles are a really important part of really growing your company no
1: 100 especially no just knowing your audience knowing who the buyers are where they're at in the spectrum and just knowing what's important to them and those that don't yeah, fall absolutely under that spectrum they might get phased out that's just the nature of... yeah. yeah
0: such an interesting thing because i have only recently started using that as part of my pitch, probably earlier this year, maybe March timeframe. And it has, especially Gen X, Millennial, Gen Z, anyone in that category, you start talking impact. Yeah. And hmm. yeah. the, that's where you get into the shut up and take my money stage of sales, <laughs> right? Uh, which is interesting because they're like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I want to work with people and work with services that are thinking about more than just you know the income that they
1: make. Hundred percent. No, i have so. seen that too, and that's I always communicated that. So it's when I think about like the handy Andy or the trusted son timeframe, it's like I'm a vertically ser- integrated service based company that that puts veterans to work. So if you need these things done in your home, like why not like hire a veteran to do it? So that really resonated with the populace. Let me tell you that.
0: Yeah. So my next question for you is about your common enemy, right? And so let's put this in the context of your handy Andy service. Every superhero has an R service. Yeah. It's something that they constantly have to fight against in their world and right? in the world of business itself. It takes yeah. a lot of forms, but generally we put it in the context of your clients, your business, and it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you constantly have to fight to overcome so that you can actually get the result for people that they want. And you can actually probably do this in either one, either Handy Andy or in, with the work that you do with Pima. What is a common enemy that you regularly, a mindset or flaw that you have to fight against regularly to help people actually get the result they want in their
1: life? What is the con- common enemy? It's it's always circled back to fear. I yeah. think there's a lot of like fear, right? Like when I think about my service-based company, when we have estimates out and people are very unsure about moving forward, what happens is, okay, if you just take a step back and try to put yourself in their shoes, They've probably hired somebody who was maybe unlicensed, did a task, maybe they paid a deposit and then the contractor or whatever worker took the money and ran, right? So there's a lot of like trust. And so that's the thing is there's a lot of fear in the market. You can have a million testimonials raving about you and you can have a great process. But if you can't help people overcome like their fears, then you're just not going to be able, you can't help them fulfill what they want. And so they need yeah. that like change agent to help facilitate overcoming their fears. And that's in Handy Andy, that's in companies like Pima, my own, like that's in multiple companies, helping yeah, people get out of their own way and overcome that fear.
0: It's, that's almost like a, a salesman's most important job is to help people overcome the fear a little this work for me? I see it work for them, but it won't work for me. That's, it's all a fear-based
1: sort of thing. Right. And here's the thing, it's a sad reality is there's absolutely no guarantees in life. Like you can make, go all in on yourself, walk outside, get hit by a bus tomorrow. That's just the nature. Yep. We can't control that. All we can do is put ourselves in the best possible position to get the outcomes that we're looking for. So when it comes to fixing somebody's home, it's like there, there's nothing that you can do that's going to prove that you're going to have the XYZ happen. It's just, you got to help them understand, help them overcome that. Is it better than doing nothing? Is your roof leaking longer? Yeah. Is taking a, a chance on us more risky than you letting the whole thing come down. What do you feel is yeah. more risky? And just putting it back on them and helping them come to the realization on their own.
0: Yeah. Okay. You want specific things. You want an outcome, and you want that outcome now or tomorrow, or as you could hire someone else to do it. Which one? You, you have to make the decision. And you're either going to choose not to do it, or you're going to choose to do it, and if you choose to do it, you're going to either hire us or hire someone else. We're just going to help you work figure out what those.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. maybe it is better for you just to wait it out. I don't know. Right. Contextually, right? Yeah. But based on what you're telling me and my understanding of your situation, it doesn't sound like that was the best course of action based on what you just told me, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so where so should we go let
0: them come to their own conclusions. That sounds that all by itself could just be like a sales course. Like, how do you help people overcome fear <laughs> so they can make right. a decision
1: um, and move forward right. in their own lives, which is... I mean, the, there yeah. are other things you can do to help, like tons of testimonials, like tons of stuff out there. The way that you communicate, your, your ability to listen to them, make them feel heard, like all those things play yeah. into. To have a like, good offer, like
0: all those things, they play into it. But learning how to help them overcome right. the fear is going to be that last step every time. And the better well, you t-
1: helping people overcome that, the, the more money you're going to make and help them, more people you'll help. Let's talk about the flip side of your common enemy, which is, of
0: course, your driving force. And just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. I wonder not know what is it that you fight for <laughs> now. And I know right now you're in that you're in that stage where you're like, I'm going to be a dad to my son, which might be currently your only mission. But what's your current life mission and what's your sort of plans to get there?
1: Yeah. So my current mission. OK, let's take us. A... I love entrepreneurship, right? And based on my ability to run, I've run multiple businesses. This We're just talking about one, which is like my pride and joy because it was a heartfelt mission for me. So I know how to run, But it's a service-based business, product-based, you name it. I can run it. I love entrepreneurship. So really, it's putting myself in a position to be able to really invest full-time and, and invest in companies, help them be like a board member and help people through all the trials and tribulations that I've experienced to help give them a, a course of some financial backing and... Maybe some guidance and leadership to help along. So that's like the end goal of what's in this for me, what I'm after. Yeah. Lo- I love entrepreneurship. I, lo- I love business. Now it's keeping it, paving the way, cut my teeth in all these different ventures. So then when I'm sitting at that chair, it's just from experience, right? All all my impact comes from experience. Yeah.
2: Because
0: you've been so there, done that, like, got the t-shirt. And so you can exactly, help businesses do the same thing.
1: <laughs> and then one of, the, one, of, and one of the most important things about entrepreneurship is time and leverage, understanding leverage. I don't want to ever... When you're a solo operator and you're in, you know, early in your days, depending on how you run your company, to a certain extent, you could trade time for money. But when you have a business that's operating, that's taking you towards your goals, and you, don't, you could step away and still get that outcome, that's leverage. That's leveraging your time, right? And that's what like I where That is I my handle, goal. Right?
0: I call that the bus test right? Where if you get hit by the bus, your business still operates without you. And it is either a sellable asset for your family, and it'll still continue to provide income for your staff, and it's to continue to provide value to the world. That's So if your business can operate, if you die, that means you have a business that's really time leveraged, um, right? Because you don't have to show up every day to make it happen. And that's really my goal, right? Like we've talked about before, buying the sailing yacht and all those kind of things. I could take two or three weeks off to go to do the long sail from here to uh, the Mediterranean. And my business, when I got to the other side, would be better and stronger than it was when I left, right? Three weeks, three weeks right. prior. And that's where I, I spent a lot of time thinking about how do I build that same kind of time leverage into all of our businesses? And I, it might be morbid, but I call it the bus test, right? Does it pass the bus test? And it doesn't pass the bus test yet, but I know where all the areas are that it doesn't, so I can work on those things.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what, that, yeah, so that's, to answer your question, that's like the common thing that I'm working toward. Having everything working for you and then invest in in, in the things that I care about, whether it's social causes and stuff that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. So I keep cutting my teeth and doing what I'm doing at the same trajectory. I'll get to exactly where I want to go. I'm 100% confident in being a father and doing what... I'm sorry? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So doing what I'm doing now and being a father and taking that as like my chair, my priority. Man, it's, it's just the best feeling ever. It's all worth it. Yeah. It's like having your this why, this gaping why behind everything is just tremendous, which I was internally motivated prior to having a kid. And now it's just like everything's all in perspective now. My why is just, my purpose is just, it's so solidified. Right? So
0: I have a theory I'm going to share with you. This is not a God's truth yeah. or whatever. It's just a theory I have. And my theory is Mm -hmm. that children provide access to a level of power that most people aren't aware of until they have children. And so I have, here's how the theory works. When you're operating by yourself, there's nothing holding you back from doing anything and everything you want to do. You could be single, you could be married, you could have a whole family, and you can still do anything. So there's no limits on you based on what you can do. But human society, just as a whole, we reward that which continues to help our society grow. And it's like the foundation of the human community is the uh, nuclear family. So that's husband and wife and then husband and wife and kids. And when you go from being single to being married, you probably you notice a difference in your ability to show up. Mm. And your are an A lot of times we call it our why. But yeah. it's, I think why doesn't quite capture it because it's like access to power that you didn't have before you've got you add a little bit of nitro to the gasoline it's it's the the society's rewards for doing things that help move forward and grow is that you have it is easier to run a business with a supportive spouse than it is to do it on your own oh right and then when you have children it is easier to show up and do the things you know you need to do to take care of them than it is when you don't have that motivation and it's like an internal access to power that you didn't have before and so while you could do the same thing single and without children, the same work to, to get the same outcome will be, yeah. I, I don't even know how you say it. It's not that it would be less effort. It's that the effort is more palpable or more palatable is the word I'm looking for because you have yeah. a family. And that's, it's like a working theory I have that somehow, some way being in a nuclear family, whether that is just married to a spouse or having children gives you access to power that you didn't have
1: before. Oh, I I wholeheartedly believe in that. Like, it it is insane. It's just like the focus and like you value time. I think for me, you value time in a different light. We only have 24 hours in a day, right? The way that you can go, like you can work. Before It was like, I could work 16, 17 hours in a day, not blink and be totally fine with that. But now it's like your purpose within those hours that you're working is just 10X. So you can get just as much done in eight, 10 hours by just being really hyper-focused yeah. and then knowing like why I'm hyper-focused because I want to spend time with my little girl.
0: Yeah. Same thing with me. I remember when I was a lot younger entrepreneur, I could work 12, 18 hours, no problem. And now I'm like, if I work right. more than four hours, I'm like, I get more done in four hours a day, four days a week than I ever did working 18 hours as a younger entrepreneur. And so funny because you were actually crazy. focused.
1: Before we were just like 18 hours. You probably just looked at your phone. You did a couple of different things in between there. It wasn't just as dialed in as like you're four hours now. You're when you're here to work. You're probably showing up just ready to go, right? So it's about yeah. the quality of time that you're spending, essentially.
0: Yeah. And you just have you're like, listen, I got things that are more important. And the kids, in particular, the time. The phrase I use regularly is they're my own personal little taking time bombs. And because I only get eighteen years with them at home, and my son just turned fourteen, I got four years left. I got a lot of things I still want to teach him and show him and do with him. And if I either show up and get my work done and get the outcomes that I'm looking to get yeah. now. Or I miss that time. Like you don't get to have it back. I don't get to redo childhood with my son, right? And you don't get to redo it with your son. So it makes you really, it makes you more powerful than you were before. And that's my point is that there's power you get by being a father. And I've noticed that with a lot of my friends who have become fathers. And I was like, a good friend of mine just became a dad. And you're like, man, it changes everything. And you don't get it until you've done it. But as soon as you do it, you're like, oh, I see what you're saying.
1: I see what's going on. Yeah. You just don't have the perspective because you're, you're not there. Right. Yeah. I didn't have that either. I had employees that like one of my VP of operations was had multiple kids. And I was like, man, in my head, I'm like, oh, you don't want to work another hour. Right. I just didn't get it. it just, it just didn't resonate with me because I didn't understand. Right. But now I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I see what happened. I, I see I what's happening. The, I just didn't have the perspective. I see what's happening. Here. I just didn't have the perspective. That's a me thing. Totally get it. Don't worry. Lesson yeah. learned. I understand now.
0: We're getting close to the end here. I'm going to skip a couple of my regular questions and get into one of these that I think is really important. And That's your guiding principles, right? One of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. As we wrap up the interview, I talk about top one, maybe two principles that you live your life by. Maybe something you wish you had known when you first started out in your own entrepreneurial career.
1: So what is two principles? Okay, one, one or what are two. are two principles that I wish... You live your life okay. by now. Oh, okay. Got it. One or two principles. I would never ask somebody to do work that I wasn't willing to do myself. I think that's really important that people feel, especially when you're on the stage of like delegation and you're running people and leading people that, that they know that any task that you would give to them, I would I'd totally be willing to do that. I think it's important that they feel that. So it's less of a directive and more so, oh, okay. Like yeah, he's game for it. I believe that he would do it. So I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. I just think that's really important. That I found throughout the years of entrepreneurship. And two, what would be like the second big thing we thought? The second principle I would people over profits. I think that yes, it's yes, you want to make money. That's like what business is all about making money, making an impact, et cetera. But as soon as like your profits start preceding like actual people and it feels like it's about money, then I need to stop, stop and reflect like what's going on here. So my decisions have to always. Be centered around being people first rather than profits first. And as a byproduct of being people centric, things just tend to work out anyway, right? So definitely yeah. people over profits
0: uh, for sure. It's one of the things I learned maybe seven or eight years ago. I had income goals. I was like, I'm going to hit this income goal. And that was like the thing that I wanted to hit. And then mm-hmm. along the way, I hit an income where I was like, I don't actually need more than that to let me do all the things I want to do in my life. And okay. it's, so it shifted. Where Sorry I was that. like, I want, yeah, I want to do a specific thing and help specific thing, like specific people do these things. That's where it helps solidify our offer. It helps solidify what I'm trying to do with my company and with my team and all those things. And what's interesting is now the money just comes, like it just grows on its own because it's not the thing that I focused on, the value and stuff that we're providing to our clients, who are people and our staff, yeah. who are people, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, it's all about the value you're providing to your community and not about and, and you will get rewarded with that with profits.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean it truly is um, amazing to see that tran- like that transformation because I'll be honest in entrepreneurship there are times where that hasn't been the case for me necessarily.
2: And it didn't yeah. feel that
1: way and that people that that worked for me maybe felt that I was after something else and that's not a good feeling. But that's one of the trials and tribulations of business. You'll start figuring these things out over time. That's why it's important to yeah. me now cuz I saw Once you flipped the script on and made that the priority, those other things fell in line.
0: Yeah. And your other principle, not assigning work that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. I totally got that for a long time on the things that I was capable of doing. But on the things that I was Mm -hmm. incapable of doing, I was like, I don't know how to have that same sort of feeling. Okay, listen, I'm willing to do this, but also I'm not good at it. So as an example to that for myself, I'm going to use graphic design because I'm a terrible designer. Uh, But I put in the time and effort to go through graphic design courses and to learn the language and to learn the tools that they're using and to be able to give at least a passable sample mock-up to my designers. So let what I'm talking about things that like, I can't create a finished product, so I can't actually do the work. I can't be willing to oh, do the work. Yeah. I, just, I just don't have mm. that skill. But yeah. being able to show those people who have that skill that I can still, I can communicate in your language, I understand your tools. I understand the work that you're putting in. And I understand your talent and I appreciate your talent there. And that's, like, that's just one example, but it's that same sort of mentality of you have to show your team that you're willing to show up and do the work that you're asking them to do and in your own mm-hmm. way.
1: And one step on that. So just so we're just so we're on the same page. As, so and what I mean by that, it's like ultimately like congruency. And for example, yeah. let's say that I'm talking to somebody who has like a fear and I'm helping them overcome a certain fear who am I to call them to their best self and overcome that fear if I can't do that myself yeah so it's like more like a congruency like I would never ask them to do something I couldn't do myself like hey take this leap of faith here but then me on the other end yeah. I would never take that leap of faith right so it's just making sure that I walk the walk and when I'm asking people to and calling them to their best self for sure yeah, and then absolutely. when it comes to things like you're um, mentioning, like a, te- like a technical expertise, so not, yeah, of course. If I can't do that, if I can't do brain surgery, it is what it is, right? <laughs> but you can
0: still, you can show them your willingness to show up and put in the effort yourself in areas that you show up and put in the effort. And that's, that's part of the culture that you're developing with your staff. So anyways, I love that. And I think that is a really great place to wrap our interview. But I do finish all of my interviews with a simple challenge. I call it the Heroes Challenge. And I do this to help get access to stories that I might not hear on our own. So the question is simple. Do you have yeah. someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us here on the Hero Show is the first person that comes to mind for you?
1: Yeah, actually I do. I have a real close friend of mine. His name is Jacob Diaz. He actually runs a like a precious metals company. Like gold, silver, all that stuff, and he helps people protect their retirement. There's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace right now. It comes like real estate, putting your money in banks, small banks failing, et cetera. so there's a lot of volatility, and people are uncertain, and a, a guy like him he helps guide those people and gives them options on how to ultimately protect themselves, protect their their future, yeah, right, protect like that retirement, preserve wealth, et cetera. Yeah, so I think just really the, cool. his ability to do what he does at scale, it's amazing. He's an incredible young man, and uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend him for sure.
0: Well, we'll reach out later and see if we can invite, have him on the show. We, so they don't always say yes, but when they do, we get good stories. I so appreciate that. And in yeah. comic books, there's always the, the crowd of people at the end who are clearing and chapping, for, clapping for the uh, acts of heroism. Our analogs to that on this show is where can people find you? All right, if they want to uh, speak with you, where can they light up the bat signal and say, hey, Andrew, I'd love to get your help? And more importantly, who are the right types of people to reach out and ask for that help? And I know right now you're currently in a position where you're doing a lot of, you're focusing on family first, but if you have any offers for the marketplace, what are yeah. they? Find them?
1: Yeah, totally hit me up on LinkedIn. That's like the best place for it really, where I'm always active on there. Yeah. So just yeah, Andrew Compton on LinkedIn, send me a message and I'm happy to talk back and forth and talk about what's up, whatever's going on. Yeah. I think that's the easiest course of action.
0: Awesome. And who are the types of people that would be most useful to reach out to if they're looking, what kind of problems could you help solve?
1: Uh, Yeah, again, yeah. So operational effectiveness, like sales, marketing, small business to medium sized businesses, right? Whether you're a solopreneur, small team, et cetera. Yeah. If you have some things that could take a peek at, let's, let's see what you got and see what we can do. And if I'm obviously not the right resource, I could definitely, I'm resourceful and I could definitely put you in touch with the right, for sure.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Andrew. Really enjoyed our conversation. Do you have any final words of wisdom for my audience before I hit this stop record button?
1: Oh, man. No, get uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable in life and entrepreneurship. And if you're able yeah. to do that, man, you'll make it. I agree completely.
0: So I love that. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on today. Appreciate having you here.
1: All right. Thank you.
2: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Hero Show, where we work to shift the cultural narrative around entrepreneurship and celebrate the heropreneurs who make our world a better place. Don't forget to visit our website at theheroshow.tv, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in our show, we'd truly appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or better yet... Share it with a friend to help us spread the message of entrepreneurship as a force for good. Curious to learn more about the stories and insights of these incredible heropreneurs? Check out our in-depth interviews and resources on our website. Together, let's support and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs as they embark on their own heroic journeys. Join us again next week for another episode of The Hero Show, where we'll continue to explore the world of heropreneurs, their superpowers, and the positive impact they bring to our lives. Until then, stay heroic.